Hey, welcome to week three of uh, Who You Say I Am. Uh, next week, we're having Easter Sunday service. Come on, give it over to Jesus. Can't wait. We're going to have two services, 9 a.m. and 11. Uh, but today, we're going to finish uh, this series. Um, a lot of you know this. Uh, for years and years and years, uh, about 16 years, me and my wife were youth pastors slash children's pastors. And uh, we loved, loved being youth pastors. And one of the things that when I was a youth pastor, my name was not Jeff. It was not Pastor Jeff. It was PJ, okay? When I would come up to take up offering at our church or whenever I spoke like that one time a year, because you know how youth pastors speak like one time a year, like, you know, in the summertime when the pastor's gone and they're like, nobody's at church. And they're like, hey, here's your chance, you know? And you're like, cool, thanks. You know, it'd be like four people there, you know? Um, but when I would come up on stage, it would actually read PJ Workmeister. And so, I mean, I had to change my phone, like my uh, voicemail to PJ. Like parents would like hear the name Jeff and they'd be like, who's that? And then their kids would be like PJ and they'd be like, oh yeah, you're a youth pastor, you know? So I was PJ and I loved being PJ. I loved being a youth pastor. And my identity was really wrapped in that idea of being PJ and being this youth pastor. I was super passionate about Jesus. I had no care for my personal well-being at all as a youth pastor. I was fun. I was crazy. If you wanted to take five guys and blob me and it was four times my weight and to shoot me up about 50 feet into the air and land into a lake and get a concussion, I was your guy, okay? I mean, I was your man. You want a sumo wrestle? Yes, I'm the sumo guy. And I will go to the hospital because that's how hard I sumo wrestle, okay? Listen, I loved being a youth pastor. I loved everything about it. And it truly, really did become my identity. And I'll never forget this one night. I'm spending some time with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me. I'm journaling. And he said, no more PJ." And I was like, sorry. I was like, what? He said, for where I want to take you and the seasons I have for you, PJ's got to die. That might mean nothing to you, but it meant everything to me. I knew what the Lord was really saying to me. He was saying, listen, your identity of who PJ is in this youth pastor, it's got to end so that I can take you into some brand new seasons that I have for you. You know, we see this happen in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 18. If you got a Bible, you can follow along. I'm going to be going to a lot of different scriptures. We have the huge Bible in the sky for you today. Um, it'll help. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and, all, and his also his brother Andrew. They were casting their nets in the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, Jesus says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. For people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and Zebedee, and uh, their brother John, and they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, uh, preparing their nets, and Jesus called out to them, and immediately they left their boats and their father and followed him. Come follow me. Follow me. In the Greek, follow me reads this way. Accompany, attend, and follow. It also means this, to cleave to one, 
to conform to someone else's example, to in the living and also maybe in the death to cleave to that individual. The word cleave is written this way, to adhere closely, to stick, to hold fast, to cling to. So this word adhere, this word cleave, this follow me, what is Jesus really saying? Because, you know, we've seen this word cleave in another piece of scripture in Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, where it says this, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So when Jesus was saying, come follow me, he wasn't like, hey boys, come follow me, let's go get some burgers. Even though getting some burgers sounds pretty good right now, I'll be honest with you, okay? I could take a big juicy cheeseburger right now, okay? But when Jesus says, come, follow me, what is Jesus really saying? He's saying, hey, come follow me and let everything you know go. Leave your home, leave your family, leave your friends, leave your identity behind. Come, follow me. Cleave to me. Because we see this happen in Acts chapter 2 when Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit comes and ascends upon his people. And what happens? The two become one. It says that we have the same spirit of Christ in us that raised him from the dead. Living, breathing, active inside of us. So when Jesus says, come to us, come follow me. He's saying, come and cleave to me. Come become one with me. Come and follow me. And in that cleaving, I'm going to give you a new identity. And that's really what Jesus was saying to me on that night in prayer. He was saying, Jeff, I want to give you a brand new identity. See, we all have identities. We have identities in our job. We have identities in our marriage. We have identities in things that we've done in our past or great awards that we've won. We have all have different identities. We all see ourselves in different ways. But the Lord comes and he goes, you know what? I don't care about any of these identities. I want to give you your true calling. I want to give you your true identity. I want you to know who you truly are as a son, as a daughter of the most Because if you don't get it, if you don't get it, you will go to heaven someday and you'll go, gosh, there's so much more I was called to do. That is the greatest, oh gosh, I would call it fear, healthy fear in my soul that I will stand before Jesus someday and he'll go, I had more. I had more, and somehow I missed it. Somehow, because I didn't understand who I am and understand who I'm called to be, that I miss it. So it's incredibly, incredibly important for us to understand who we are in Christ, who he's called us to be, and who Christ says we are. And so we're going to look at five different things today. First one is this, and we've talked about the last three weeks. I am chosen. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse four, it says, for we know, dear brothers and sisters, God, we know, dear brothers and sisters, how God loves us and has chosen you. So I truly believe that Jesus wasn't just a man or some good man. I truly believe that Jesus came and he lived on the earth for 33 years and lived a perfect life for us in our place so that he could die and go to the cross. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 says this, for we know that we have such a high priest who is able to empathize with our weakness. Can we just get an amen for that? 
Aren't you glad that we got a God who knows how we feel? Like, has gone through temptation like I go through temptation every day? Who has seen it? You know what, I, I, I had this thought the other day because I think a lot of times we just view Jesus as this man that did miracles and we look at it really through the lens of the three years that, that the Gospels really talk about. But I was thinking about it like, Jesus was a teenager. <laughs> think about when you were a teenager, Okay. Think about all the dumb things you did when you were a teenager, the dumb things you thought when you were a teenager, the things you felt when you were a teenager, or when you went through puberty when you were a teenager. Jesus went through puberty just like you went through puberty. But I love that because he's felt what I felt. He has felt what you felt. And because of that, he's our great high priest. And this goes on to say, but we have this one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. And yet, he did not sin. So that makes him what? Worthy to pay the price. Worthy to endure the beating. Worthy to endure the whipping. Worthy to endure being nailed. Worthy to endure going to the cross. And because he's worthy and because he has gone through this and because he wasn't just the one who endured the cross but went to the cross, died on the cross, but then rose victoriously three days later as King of kings and Lord of lords, what does this mean for us? Well, Revelations 1 verse 17 says this, do not fear. Jesus says, I am the first and I'm the last and I am am alive. I died, but I came back to life, and now my life is forever. See these keys that I have in my hand? They open and lock the doors to death. They open and lock hell's gates. See, Jesus won. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and because he defeated death, hell, and the grave, he is worthy to be king of kings, lord of lords, and then he is worthy to choose you and I. And when he chooses you, it is a king that is choosing you. It is not just a man that is choosing you, but a king who is choosing you. And when he chooses you, he gives you value and he gives you worth. Gives you value for why you're on this planet. Makes you worthy on this planet. If it's just some man choosing you, why does this matter? It doesn't. Listen, I understand it feels really good for your boss to come in and go, you know, hey, Stefan, you've just been killing it. You've been crushing it. We're so happy. You've been making so much money for the company, and we love you, and we're going to give you a bonus, and, 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 and we want to bless you and your family. That, that feels good, right? I mean, who, who wants to turn down money? It's not like Stefan's like, no, nah, man, sorry, bro. I'm good. I got enough money. You know what I mean? Just, you know, just add it to the bottom line of the company, you know? He's like, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. And you feel good. But I think sometimes we devalue that Jesus has chosen us. We devalue this idea that the king of kings, the one who created Everything you see on a daily basis, he's the one that chose you. He's the one that's for you. He's the one that's like, you're my son, you're my daughter. He's choosing you. Number one, you're chosen. Number two is this, I am called. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says this. He has saved us and he has called us to be holy in this life. Not because of anything we have done, 
but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. We are called to be Jesus to others. My man, Drew Keller, he'll FaceTime me, okay? And I love that he FaceTimes me. He doesn't call me. He FaceTimes me. I love it, okay? He wants me to see his face, okay? Okay? And he wants to see my face, okay? This is like a really big deal to Drew, okay? And so Drew will FaceTime me, and he'll go, oh, my gosh, you won't believe what happened today, you know? You know, it's kind of like, do you remember when, like, Kramer would, like, bust into the door, you know what I mean, on Seinfeld? And it was just, like, full on, like, right there. And it's just like, Jerry's just like, yep. You know, Jerry's just like, I'm ready for this, okay? And so Drew will call me full on. He'll go, you won't believe what's happened to me today. And so he FaceTimes me the other day. And he starts talking to me about his job. And this is the line. I, I want to I make sure I, I state this right because he says this to me every time he goes. He goes, my dumb government job. This is how this starts, okay? He goes, my dumb government job. But then he'll go on and tell me stories about a woman that's on his team that he oversees and she's a grandmother and she's trying to take care of her grandbabies because her daughter is in the basement strung out on drugs and, and she's trying to take care of her daughter and her grandbabies. And he'll tell me about uh, one of his bosses that's getting a divorce and her life is a wreck and he'll tell me stories about... Um, I wrote it down here. Uh, he'll tell me stories about the atheist that he spent an hour just loving and trying to see life from his side and to help him see Jesus. And this is, what, this is how he always ends the conversation. He always ends the conversation saying this, okay? This is why I'm at this dumb government job. It's not to make money, but it's to be Jesus to all these people at my dumb government job. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? See, we are chosen, but then we're called. We're called to greater. We're called to be Jesus for people in this world that is living in darkness and confusion and lack of understanding. They have no hope and they have no understanding of their future that's impending upon them. And they need us to help them. And God calls mistaken-ridden Peters of us, people with junk. Jesus calls us to the world, to love the world, to help the world. He calls us to this holy life that we're, like, not able to obtain to. Have you figured that out yet? You're called to this holy life, but yet somehow you miss the mark all the time? Isn't that mind-numbing sometimes? I mean, there's just some days I'm just like, Lord, will I ever get, like, one day perfect? Is there, like, one day? There's got to be, like, one. Like, i got to be able to get one, you know what I mean? Like, one out of, like, 80-something years. Because the reality is this. I tell people all the time. Like, when I'm, like, 84, I'm literally going to look at Jess and be like, I'm going to see Jesus. And then I'm just going to, like, put my head in my, my cereal and just go, go to heaven, okay? <laughs> listen, I, listen, I promise you. I am not going through cancer or a bullet to the brain. I promise you. I, I have this all planned out, okay? Unless Jesus, unless Jesus comes back, which would be, like, way better, okay? Way, way better. 
But the reality is this is what Jesus said this. He has saved us and called us his holy life, not because of anything we've done. It's not because of you. It's not because you're great. It's because of God's purpose and his grace. So his grace empowers you to be who you are called to be on this earth. God chooses us and he calls us. Then we get to number three. It says this. I'm being changed. Number three is this. I am being changed into his image. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 18, it says this. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And that the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we change into his glorious image. A few weeks ago, it was probably four weeks ago, Michael had his uh, playoffs for basketball. And um, like, like we got into, I got into an argument with Elena. Where's Elena? Uh, Elena, yeah. We got into an argument about soccer and basketball at my house the other day. Because she said, she said her kids are going to play soccer. And I said, well, Pastor Jeff, Uncle Jeff's going to take them to NBA basketball games like all the time. And, and we were just talking about how like in my house we play basketball. But, and that's just a really big deal. And so Michael is in the, uh, in the playoffs. And Michael's in sixth grade, but he's playing up. And so he's playing against all eighth grade teams and all eighth grade players. And we're playing the number one team in the state. And so I'm like, you know, I walk into, into the arena like, I'm like, where's a jersey? Where's it? Give me a jersey right now. I will squeeze into whatever jersey you have. There might be some things you might not want to see, but that's okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play tonight. Like, I am, I am ready. It'll be short shorts, but it'll be good. You know what I mean? Like, we're all good. I, I come into the gym like I'm ready to play, okay? And so Michael's getting ready for the game, and the first half comes. And, I mean, they have championship banners, and they great stadium, first half of the game, Michael blows like four layups and I'm just like dying a thousand deaths as a dad and I'm just like, I've trained you my whole life, you know what I mean? How many layups have we made together, you know? And, and he is super overwhelmed and nervous. These are like big kids. I mean, they're like big kids and then Halftime comes, second half comes out, and dude, Michael just goes off. I mean, he's hitting threes, he's going to the hole, he's, he's breaking ankles, and I'm just losing my mind as a father in the stands, okay? And so there, there comes this one point of the game, okay? And like, I'm just, I'm that dude, okay? I, I, I promise you, I am that dude. If you go to a game, you'll go, I don't know why, but I hate him with everything inside of me. I would prefer if he died tonight, okay? Because I'm that dude, okay? So I'm like, I'm like yelling. I'm like, Michael, he can't dribble with his left hand. Don't even let him touch the ball with his left. He doesn't even have a chance with his left. I'm like, and Jess, my sweet, beautiful wife, is sitting next to me just like dying inside. I mean, she's just like, She's like, Jeff, I think like four counties away can hear your voice right now. Like literally everybody in the gym hears everything you say. I'm like, exactly. That's the point, Jess. I want every. So there comes this point. This kid is taking a free throw, okay? And it's dead quiet. I mean, dead quiet. And I yell out as loud as I can. I go, Michael, you better box him out because he's about to miss this free throw. 
And I mean, this is like some eighth grade, like, and this dude like looks at me like we're going to fight. And I'm like, we'll do it right here in the stands. We'll get down right now. Come on, you know. And Jess just takes Luke and, and just walks away. I mean, just straight, like walks away. I mean, can we get an amen? Everybody's on a journey. Are we all on a journey, okay? Listen, I am on the journey, okay? Listen, I believe in this, okay? I believe in the saying, better at 70, okay? I am going to be better, hopefully better, okay? Seriously, I'll be at, like my great-grandson's game. I'll be like, Ugh, you know what I mean? I'll have a cane. I'll throw my cane out into the court, you know, or something like that. But the reality is this. I truly believe this. I am going to be better at 70. Why? The Holy Spirit's on the job. Right? Holy Spirit's on the job in your life. I'm not perfect, but I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I want the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The moment the conviction of the Holy Spirit isn't there, you better start asking yourself, what's going on? Why don't I feel God anymore? Why don't I sense him anymore? See, the conviction of the Holy Spirit isn't there to make you feel like an idiot. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is there to go, there's more, son. There's more. Trust me, there's a lot of moments I get home and I'm just like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I'm just the dumbest, you know? But I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that he's working on my life. He's working on your lives. Point number four is this. I am forgiven of all of my sins. I am forgiven of all my sins. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven through 10 says, because of this sacrifice of the Messiah, meaning Jesus, we are all, we are free people, free from the penalty and the punishment chalked up by our misdeeds. Because the reality is this, when we go to heaven someday, we should just like instantly go to hell. Because we all got a rap sheet. We all got junk. We all got a past. We all still are fighting with things. And even when we do get to heaven, we're not gonna be perfect. But thank God for God's righteousness, right? Thank God that he makes us righteous because of what he accomplished. It says this, and not just barely free. I love that, not barely free, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. See, I believe this, that the moment that you and I start entertaining the thought, and the thought is this, am I still forgiven? See, there's this amazing thing that happens. I love when people get saved because this idea is exploding in their minds that I have all this junk and I have all this sin and I have all these mistakes, but Jesus paid for it all, and he's going to forgive me right now? I mean, watching people's, you can see it in their eyes. You can see the Holy Spirit working in them, and they're finding freedom in their hearts, and it's just amazing to watch. But you know what's so sad to watch is to watch people who have been in the church for years and years and years and years, and you can see guilt and shame all over them all the time because they're asking themselves, 
am I really still forgiven? Does God really love me this way? Does he really still care about me that way? I've been in church for years. I know the word and I still make these dumb mistakes. Does he still really care about me this intimately? And the reality is, yes, he does. Because of what is said in the very beginning, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, not because of me, not because of you, because of what he did, I am free. I'm free. I'm clean. Think, aren't, aren't you glad? I mean, I want to like run right now, okay? I want to run sprint up and down the aisles right now, okay? I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just a terrible person, okay? And I just need a lot of grace. But I'm so thankful that I am completely forgiven. So I am called, I'm chosen, I am called, I am changed, I am forgiven. And then the last one is this, I am victorious. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11 through 12 in the message version says this, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were no match for Michael. They were cleared out of heaven. Not a sign was left. The great dragon, the serpent, the one they called the devil, Satan, who had led the whole earth astray, was thrown out. And all of his angels were thrown out with him and thrown down to earth. And then I heard a strong voice out of heaven saying this, salvation and power are established. Kingdom of God and authority of his Messiah. The accuser of the brother and the sister was thrown out who accuses them day and night before God. Whenever you feel guilt and shame, it is never from the Lord. Look at your neighbor and tell him it is never from the Lord. Tell him it is never, ever, ever from the Lord. If you feel guilt and shame, it is right here. It is the accuser of the brethren who has come to accuse you of your sin. But the reality is Jesus has already taken care of that sin on the cross. So there is no power outside of making you feel guilty and shameful. That's where his power is. And it goes on, it says this. They defeated him. Who? The devil. They defeated him through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness, the power of the testimony. Listen, when you open up your mouth, hell trembles. When you open up your mouth and speak out about the goodness of God, when you open up your mouth and start quoting the word of God, when you open up your mouth, there is power in your words. You are framing your life. You are framing other people's lives. You are framing your future. You are reminding the devil exactly who he is and that he is nothing. And you are glorifying the great name of Jesus and lifting him high. And when we lift the name of Jesus high, the Bible says he draws all men, all women unto him, unto his grace, unto his mercy, unto his joy, unto his favor. When you open up your mouth, it matters. And that's why he tries to keep your mouth shut with guilt and shame. But we are called to be victorious. Worship team, you can come up. You are called to be more than what we're living now. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, that, says this, yet in all things, all things means everyday life, everyday life. 
see, we have this picture of like our relationship with God that like it just happens on Sunday mornings. You know what I mean? It's like we come, we do our church thing. You know, we have a great time in the presence of God. And then I leave. And then it's like I have these six other days that are just kind of like we kind of like segregate these things. It's kind of like, you know, like here's Jesus time. And then here's like the rest of my world time. But it says this. Yet in all things, your job, your relationships, your marriage, your life, and all these things. Because doesn't a lot of things happen over the course of seven days? It's a lot of life that happens. It's a lot of moments. I mean, I can think about my marriage this last week. I mean, there were some moments that we were like, oh, you know what I mean? And there were some moments like, hey, you know? It's a lot of moments, right? It's a lot of moments at your job. There's a lot of moments that are happening all the time. It says, yeah, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Why are we conquerors? Because I have strength in Christ Jesus and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loves us. What do you want to overcome in 2018? Think about that. Like if you're called to be victorious, in what area of your life are you called to be victorious? Is it your finances this year? Is it your marriage? relationship with your kids, things that are happening in your career, what are you called to be victorious in? Because if God is calling you to be victorious, if he's for you, then it would be smart of all of us to go, okay, God, if you're really for me and you've really chosen me and you're for me, you're not against me, then I want to experience the life that you want me to experience. I want to live victoriously. Why don't you stand up this morning? Go ahead and put that graphic up. I'm chosen. I'm called. I'm changed. I'm forgiven. I'm victorious. I'm chosen. I'm called. I'm changed. I'm forgiven. I'm victorious. See, if if we get this in our souls and it's not just something oh man that was a good word wasn't wasn't it a good word today didn't pastor jeff just have a good word today you know we're gonna post something like this on instagram like oh my gosh it was such a good day at church you know i'm forgiven hashtag forgiven you know right but if we could really get this into our souls and we could make this our identity, because remember what Jesus was saying? He said, cleave to me and I'm gonna give you a brand new identity. I'm gonna give you a brand new way to look at life. I'm gonna give you a new perspective on life. He was saying to Peter, listen, I know that you're a fisherman, but that's not what you're called to be, Peter. You're called to be more, Peter. I believe in you, Peter. I'm calling you to attach yourself to me so that you can see who you are called to be. You are called, you are chosen, you are called, you are changed, forgiven, and victorious. That's who you're called to be in this life. And when you get that in your soul, when the enemy comes, temptation, you go, nope, I'm chosen, I'm called, I'm forgiven. I have a purpose, I'm victorious. Amen.
want to do this. We're going to say this together. Okay? And it better not be this like, I'm called, I'm chosen. Like sad sap. Okay? I don't do sad sap, okay? I just don't. Okay? We're going to say this together. Okay? You're like, is this school? Yes, it's Jesus school. Okay? We're good. Here we go. One, two, three. I am chosen. I am called. I am changed. I am forgiven. I am victorious. Come on. Didn't that feel good? Let's do it again. Here we go. Listen, Carly. Listen, I need you to do like cartwheels, okay? Like straight cartwheels, okay? Here we go. Here we go. Louder, okay? One, two, three. I am chosen. I am called. I am changed. I'm forgiven. I'm victorious. Come on, somebody. That's who we're called to be. That's who God says we are. Amen.